0: Hello and welcome to the Dive Deep Climb High podcast. I'm Mel Luizu and together with my guests we explore all different aspects of leadership in higher education. With inspiring stories, practical tips and a little bit of fishiness, this show will help you dive deep into the leader you are and climb high unleashing your power and potential. Dive deep Climb high, can do leadership in a world of can't. Just before we dive into this week's conversation, I wanted to let you know that I'm always happy to talk through a challenge you're facing at work. Perhaps you're not sure what to do or you just want a sounding board for your ideas. Why not book in a free 30 minute call using the Calendly link in the show notes and we can have a chat. I'm always happy to help. Today, we're going to be diving deep into what it means to be curious and courageous. Now, ordinarily, the very first line of any episode of this podcast introduces the topic I've agreed in advance with my guest. Today, however, my guest had a request could we please not limit ourselves by choosing a topic in advance, but instead be completely spontaneous and in the moment and see where our conversation takes us. Now I have to be honest and say, if this guest was someone I didn't know very well, I would probably be very hesitant. But given that she is one of my closest friends, I willingly agreed. To make a decision, unsure of your exact destination, takes courage. Being curious adds another layer of depth to the adventure. And today, I'm very excited for two reasons. Firstly, that after a year of gentle nagging on my part, my guest has agreed to come on the show. She's an awesome human being. And secondly, but I'm trusting the process that this conversation will be both helpful and thoughtful to you, the listeners. So are you ready to be both courageous and curious? If so, let's dive right in to the conversation with my good friend and wonderful human being, Aleri Thomas. Wow, Mel. Hello, Aleri. How are you? Hi, Mel.
1: Thank you for an awesome introduction. That was <laughs> unexpected and very, very gratefully to receive. I'm trusting the process, that we're going to have a fabulous conversation wherever it takes us.
0: I know, and I had to return the favour after that lovely request. Can we not agree a topic? So, we haven't agreed a topic. We don't know where this conversation is going, but it will be courageous. There is no doubt about that. So perhaps to ease us in, and given that I've given the audience no clue as to who you are, your background or anything about you, would you like to share with us a little bit of your potted history? I will do. So
1: I grew up in a little town on the west coast of Wales in Cardigan Bay called Aberystwyth. And Aberystwyth's a university town. So many of my really close friends. Um, their parents worked at the university or in that sort of the locality. Following on from that, I, I left the Cosseted nest that is Aberystwyth where it's very quiet and peaceful. And I went to Birmingham. I went to study at the College of Food and um, I did a hospitality course hospitality management and while I was in Birmingham I was introduced to the dizzy heights of city living um, and all that goes with it and I was fortunate enough because of the course that I was doing I also worked in a variety of different places in and around Birmingham which gave me a great introduction into people, hospitality business um, and everything that it entails. So following on from there I then went to work um, managing hotels and restaurants in Bath and Bournemouth, variously, until I got to the age of 24. And at 24, I promised my college friend that I would go travelling in Australia with her. So I packed my bags, left for Australia with my mum crying behind me, who didn't want me to go. And I met up with my friend and her friend that had been traveling and we met up in Perth. So we stayed for about a month. We went to Melbourne for Christmas because it was about November when I went. And my friend had already met her future husband. Not that we knew that at that time. And he was Australian and he followed us back out there. So all of a sudden, I didn't really have a travel companion. So I had some big choices to make. Did I just get on the next plane and go home? Or did I just take a deep breath and think, okay, how am I going to get some money? Where am I going to work? And where do I want to go traveling? So I found a job, traveled all the way up the West Coast, which if you know Australia, there isn't many people that live on the West Coast. And then I ended up doing various jobs and then flying back out of Sydney a year later. Then I came back to Aberystwyth and I decided that hotels were not particularly family friendly. And I was at this point, I was 26 and I was thinking, well, you know, never know, might meet somebody. And I got my job in Aberystwyth University and met my now husband on exactly the same day. So talk about divine providence. It was obviously set in the stars. So I then worked for the next 25 years at Aberystwyth University. I started off as an assistant manager, looking after the accommodation, and then towards the end, I became deputy director of residential and hospitality services, where I met my amazingly awesome friend, Mel, at a conference, um, and, and the rest, as they say, is history. And we've shared, shared our families growing up together for about 10 years or more now. So then I had a bit of a life-changing moment. I had a coach and through the coaching, I met a group of people that she was associated with and became very interested in what they were looking into, which was how human beings work, how we interact with each other and, and what it means to be human. And that led me to spend a month in Egypt in 2015 with a group of people who I'd never met. So I flew into Cairo at half past midnight one day, got in the car with a man that I'd never met, And then woke up and had breakfast with a load of people that I'd never met either. Mm. And it was a complete baptism of fire. I came from a very mainstream background. hadn't really been introduced into anything that was sort of remotely different or edgy. Lots of the listeners might think it's not different than edgy. But at the time, for me, it was very different and very edgy. And the modality that they introduced me to and just being in Egypt, which felt like I'd come home, meant that the four weeks was just four weeks of pure joy, pure learning, no expectations, no judgments, awesome food, and I made lifelong friends. So then I come back from Egypt thinking, oh, my gosh, I've been exposed to all of these amazing experiences. We spent some time in the Great Pyramid, went to some amazing sites. I thought, well, what are we going to do now? Going back to going back to West Wales. What's in West Wales? I've grown up there. It's not that much. And I came back and started trying to find people who lived in the area who were like-minded, who could help me to understand in some way what had just taken place in four weeks. And that pretty much brings us up to date because I have spent the remainder of the time between then and now exploring lots of different modalities from Sacred sites, energy healing, crystal healing, sound healing. I'm now a creative kinesiologist in the making. And and so I guess it's a little bit like the conversation that we're gonna have. It's by putting myself in situations which were for most people very edgy, it brought the biggest joy into my life just by being open just by being curious and by trusting the process so in amongst all of that in 2018 I'd been building up to knowing that I wanted to leave work I loved my job I loved the people that I worked with but I knew that there was something out there that I needed to do for myself and also for my family by this time I've got two grown-up children and I had an opportunity in 2018 completely out of the blue to uh, leave work and to start a new life training to be a creative kinesiologist and within a week the opportunity presented itself and I'd left my job which I guess for lots of people was quite shocking. And so lots of people thought like something was wrong and there was lots of stories around it, but it was just the universe opening up opportunity for me to then go to do the thing that was my heart's desire and and follow that path again. And that pretty much is, is me in a potted history.
0: I learned something new there. I've, know, I've known you all this time. And I, I learned something new in that potted history. And I, I think it, it's so interesting because in some ways your life has been as most lives are, you know, quite ordinary and what you would expect. And then, but they've been marked by these these almost crossroads, it feels like, where you've made momentous decisions that that people were a bit shocked by maybe or that that they wouldn't have expected and that takes courage so you know I'm trusting the process already I talked about courage and curiosity and here we are talking about courage and curiosity both skills that I think we need in life and and definitely as a leader and I I want to explore I'd love to explore the journey that you've been on in this last five years and how You know, if you knew back when you were working what you know now, how would things have would have been for you? What would have been done differently? What would you have done differently? But before we do that, I'm going to ask you the question through everything that you've done. What does leadership mean to you? It's such a great question, the leadership question. And there's so many
1: books and so many theories about leadership. But for me, In my heart what leadership means is the ability to see the potential of the people that you're working with, to be able to journey with them, to be able to create a vision for a future and for them to be able to actively create it, to be active participants and so the leader provides the environment they provide the tools for the people around them to be able to become the best people person whoever they would like to become and that's not always easy because people come into jobs for a variety of different reasons and not always do they know who they are And that's been the biggest take home for me. I think for for 50 years of my life, I sort of had an idea who I was, but I really didn't know who I was. And if I didn't know who I was, how does anybody else? And that was such a shock to me when I started my creative kinesiology training, how little I knew about myself. And, you know, from that, The great leaders, they're really, when I look at them, really sure about who they are. But quite often, they've been through really challenging times themselves where they've had to look in the mirror and really understand who they are and their impact on the world. And so the leadership question is just such a multifaceted one. But when I really simplified it, it's only ever about people, about understanding people, about understanding the potential, seeing through the layers that we bring with us as when we walk through the door that we've gathered, and the layers of emotions and the the family aspects and just general everyday things and knowing and remembering everybody underneath everything is a beautiful soul and when you see the person's soul you allow that person to grow into the person that they were born to be and it's such a gift that people give you if you let them if you let them show you who they truly are if they trust you if you allow them to to be honest be in integrity out of fear not controlled you just get the most beautiful person in your team who will give you the world basically
0: i love that i i absolutely love that so That's your learning. That's the place that you sit right now. If you went back to Aberystwyth University and and your time as deputy director, with that learning that you now have, what would you do differently to what you did then?
1: Well, there's a few things. The first thing is I did look back and I have reflected when I was leaving work, I knew that I was leaving unconsciously for about three years. So it wasn't in my consciousness, but there were just little things that were happening. I was thinking, no, I won't be here when that happens. And I was like, how do I know I'm not gonna be here? I just knew that that wasn't gonna happen. I had three years of knowing that I was leaving that job with love in my heart, Knowing that I did the best that I could with the tools that I had, that's my personal tools, not the tools that the business gave me, and that that was good enough. Mm. So, with that, it's really difficult to say, yes, of course, there are things that I would do different, mm. but I only know that because of all of the things that I've done. Mm. And because of all of the the greater understanding that I've got now, I'm a different person to when I started out at 26 Mm. with the ideals and the understanding, wanting to please everybody, wanting to get everything done. You know, I am naturally the person that you go to if you want something fixed. That's because it's innate within me, not because I've, trained to be somebody who's a problem solver, it's just because I'm built that way. Mm. But that comes with its drawbacks, because the major drawback for people like that, people like me, is that when things become very stressful, very challenging, multiple deadlines coming at once, I tended to lose sight of the people that were around me Mm. and focus on the task. And that is so challenging for the people that are used to being seen and then feel like they're not seen. Now, I never not saw them. It's just that the focus changed and it changed onto the delivery, which is great for the employer because the employer wants an outcome, they get the outcome that they want but it's at what cost and for me personally losing losing that sight losing the ability to always have the the people the center of my focus was detrimental for me and detrimental for them Mm. so that's that's the answer in a nutshell. Yeah. And so and that's come through a great greater understanding of myself. And that's come through a lot of work on myself. It's a bit of a cliche to um to say, you know, I've gone away and I've I've looked in the mirror. But you have to have somebody holding that mirror for you, somebody who has that beauty, integrity, no judgment, so that you can really get to that place of safety, and to really start to understand and know who you are. And I guess when I did look back and I thought about what had I done over my lifetime, I did think, oh gosh, there were moments where I have taken quite courageous decisions. And the first one that really resonates with me is I was sitting in a hostel in Australia in the middle of the outback in a tiny little town I decided I'd finish all my jobs and I wasn't going to do any more. and I was just going to have a nice time and there was a little poster on the notice board and it was asking for somebody to come and help in a hospitality outlet and it said on Lake Argyle. I had no idea where Lake Argyle was. It just said that it was 75 kilometers away. I cannot to this day, remember why I picked the phone up and phoned them. They happened to be coming, what I hadn't realized was into town the next day. Into town means there was nothing for 75 kilometers around other than the town that I was sitting in. So the guy pulls up in his truck Oh, I hope my mum's not listening now. I get in. (laughs) He drives me off. And I thought, well, you know, if it's not very good, at least I can get on the trek for next week and then I can come back. And it was the highlight of my trip. It was the most incredible place. It was the largest man-made lake in the Southern Hemisphere, teeming with wildlife. Nobody lived there except for the people that worked in the hospitality outlets and the fishermen. So I got to go out on the lake with a fisherman. I met amazing people, amazing sunrises, amazing sunsets. And that came from just looking at a notice on a notice board and following my intuition.
0: Wow, there is so much to unpick there. Firstly, I think for me is when I asked you that question about what would you do differently? Actually, you responded, but you also responded with that understanding and that knowing that you did the very best that you could do at that point in time. And I think that that's a really important message for us all to take, that nearly all the time we are doing the very best that we can with the experience and knowledge The skills that we have, but also that point that being courageous is sometimes going with your gut, or more often than not, going with your gut. Because actually, I do wonder if your daughters, one of your daughters who could both do that now, did that, how you would feel about it, or how I would feel about my daughters if they did that. But actually, Look at the results that that happened as a result of that.
1: Yeah. And I think I would say my parents, my schooling, my background provided me with the resources and the resilience. There's the resources and the resilience that are innate. They're what I came into this life with. They're what make me who I am. But then there's also the environment that I was exposed to growing up and i guess all of it combined you know i've got a good radar for danger but please don't think that i just go and do these random things because for most of my life i'm very controlled and calculated i'm trying to lose that now but that would be you know people would say i was more controlled and calculating than than sort of gung ho and off I go. So there's there's always a little bit of really feeling into the environment, really um noticing if there's any pushbacks energetically for me. Is there a gut feeling is something screaming at me that this is not the way I should be going and um that's been the barometer the whole way through. And it's such a good barometer for me. And um, things tend to go a little bit awry if I'm overriding or if I'm not listening to it.
0: Yeah, knowing yourself, listening to your gut. Absolutely. So you mentioned that actually since since you left the university, a lot of your, or the basis for what you do now and your experiences come from creative kinesiology now I did the first part of the training with you on that but you went on and became professional so that you can go out and spread creative kinesiology across the world what is creative kinesiology okay so
1: for me I'm definitely a lifelong student I'm still uh, working my way towards becoming a registered practitioner interestingly and The thing that I'm learning is creative kinesiology, the philosophy is that anything comes from anything. So when somebody walks through the door, you haven't got a set of, if they present with this, it's this. If it's that, then you go on to the next stage. It's this openness to see the person beyond the layers and also to create an environment where the person can journey and really start to get to know themselves. And also it's a healing tool. It's a healing tool for things that aren't always recognized mainstream, people come and present with things. And what I'm learning with it, I don't mean learning because it's such a vast area with huge amounts of resources, of tools and techniques. The, the teachers are just off the scale. It's, it's all about understanding and knowing yourself because how can you journey and how can you hold another person um, and do whatever they need to do unless you're willing to go there yourself? So there's a beautiful lady called Joan Halifax. Now she's Roshi Joan Halifax, she's a Buddhist. And she's written an amazing book called Standing at the Edge. And in it, she talks about edges in a way that before I read the book, I really didn't understand. And an edge is anything where you become uncomfortable. So it can be anything from watching a television program where you start feeling uncomfortable about what you're looking at, to being in a situation that you didn't want to find yourself in and you know it's a little bit dangerous and you can feel every sinew in your body telling you that something isn't quite right and then it's how we respond to those edges what comes from them do i run away from them do i meet them with curiosity and love do i honor them all of those aspects that make us be able to be in connection with all of the facets of who we are and so When I started Creative Kinesiology as the recipient of the session, it just brought me to life. I just felt like I was seeing myself for the first time, rather than somebody, a book telling me what it should be like, or a programme, or a person. It was actually the ability to see me for who I was. And, and then to start journeying into the depths of my being. So I guess, you know, perhaps, perhaps there is a theme of being courageous. You know, it's not for everybody. But it's such a beautiful way of starting a process. You can go as shallow or as deep as you want to go with it.
0: And on the subject of diving deep, how beautiful this is all tying together. You would have thought we'd planned it, although we hadn't. When have you dived deep? I know you've been diving deep for the last five years, but when have you dived deep and what impact did that have on you? Gosh,
1: it's interesting because it's some of the things I've already said. I think the diving deep, the point where I realized that I knew nothing was probably when I was about 51 52 (laughs) when I started the professional training to be a creative kinesiologist and as you know Mel and I did the uh, foundation course together I thought oh I can do this this is okay and when I went to do the professional course I suddenly realized that I had all of these edges and that when people stepped on them, I wasn't very happy. And I don't like getting very messy and healing is a very messy business. And I remember the day when they introduced trauma into the class. And I was like, well, I, I haven't got trauma. I've had, a, I've had a fantastic life. And I just associated trauma with people who've been to war, for example. And I was thinking, well, I, you know, I, I, I can't associate with any of these things. And then I read Dr. Gabbard Mate's book. He's got two. Um, when the Body Says No and In the Realm of the Hungry Ghosts are the ones that I started with. And I realised that I was a completely traumatised human being. And at that point, I remember thinking, oh, I'm not sure if this is for me. This is deep. And I walked the hills of Wales, listening to a variety of different books, not least the Gavimati ones. And I thought, well, you know, what else are you going to do? You're on commit to sort of go down this path. Are you going to turn around at this point and walk away? And uh, I just thought, right, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And it was the people that I was on the course with and not least my amazing teacher. And they gave me the confidence and the space to say silly things, to to get messy, to really show that I was ignorant and didn't understand anything. But they created the space for me to be able to do that with love and compassion, which meant that the choices and the directions that I had available to me then became infinite which then gave me the space to just make the baby steps and then to then sometimes dive off the dive board and just go straight in, hoping that somebody was gonna catch me. So, you know, that's, that's really, that's when I have started to feel alive and know that it's good to be here. i say I'm right on my edge. It is edgy, but the edges are where the aliveness are. It's where the growth is.
0: I love that. I love the thought that we all have these edges and how close can we go to them? Would we go over them? Would we look over the edge even? But also that thing that you said about realising at 51 or 52 that you knew nothing and and for me I just wonder if we had that belief if we held that belief that we knew nothing we would constantly be curious and actually where would that take us would that lead us to be more courageous for ourselves for our team for our business it's a really really interesting thought so thank you for that you're welcome When have you felt like a fish that climbed a tree?
1: That's the easy one. That was definitely when I went to Egypt. So I was in my mid forties when I went to Egypt, had never been exposed to energy work, the spiritual side of being human, any of those things. And I turn up in Egypt which just lives and breathes a heart space, carries the energetics of what it is for me to be human. Uh, The potential, the love, energy to expand our consciousness into places that we could only dream of. And in some cases that I didn't even... Daydream dream of and I remember sitting quite uncomfortably on day one and I just remember thinking it's only four weeks, it's only four weeks I can do this, it's okay, it's not a problem and the people that I went with were just these most amazing people, they had been working together for 10 or 15 years. They have this woman that turns up that they've never met, has never done any of the work that they were doing. And they just welcomed me with open arms. I had never, ever had that experience. And I think if if everybody could have that once in their life, to walk in a room and feel like they fitted in where people were speaking the same language as them, they could be themselves and say anything and do anything without anybody else batting an eyelid or judging them. And then having the grace um, for sharing their love and allowing me to, to grow into the space that they had spent 10 or 15 years cultivating. I just thought, my God, how generous are these people? They're not only filling me with love, but they are literally willing to give me any information that I want. And that was just, I think it was being shown what humanity could be like. And so I hold that in my heart for everybody that I
0: meet. I love that. You've talked so much today about being human and actually what does it take for us to be human because I think sometimes when we walk through the door at work we put on a persona we put on a mask we are what people expect us to be but actually what if we all rocked up as humans and showed the best side of humanity what would that mean for ourselves for our business for our teams honestly that is such a great thought to leave people with I knew this conversation was going to be brilliant I knew we didn't need to follow my usual process because we get to where we wanted to get to and I hope that we've done that we've certainly explored curiosity in and being courageous so thank you so much if people want to get in touch how can they do that they can email
1: me at aleri.thomas37 at gmail.com. And I also have a small bio and some details on the kinesiology webpages as well, which I'm sure Mel will put somewhere in this podcast. So you can just link in. And I would just like to say to welcome people, you know, you can just come and have a conversation. Um, I know a lot of people, if I'm not your bag, there are a lot of people out there that I know that will be able to help. So it's a, it's about, you know, getting people to the right people um, and understanding that there is somebody for everybody.
0: Totally. All this information will go in the show notes. And I'll also put in the, the references to the three books that you, you mentioned as well. So it just leaves me to say a massive, heartfelt Thank you for giving in to my nagging and finally joining me on the show. What final words of wisdom would you like to leave people with today?
1: I think the words of wisdom are be courageous, be yourself, be the other person's soul, live in
0: love. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Dive Deep Climb High podcast with me, Mel Luizu. To help build our community of leadership listeners, please leave me an Apple Podcast five star review. Remember, our fishy adventure doesn't have to end here. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Links are in the show notes. Dive Deep, Climb High, can do leadership in a world of can't.